Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. That's not just the sound of that first sip of Morning Joe. It's the sound of someone shopping for a car on Carvana from the comfort of home. That's a good blend. It's time to take it easy, like answering some easy questions to get pre-qualified for a car in minutes. Talk about starting the morning right. Just like customizing your terms so your car fits your budget. Mm, mm, mm. Visit Carvana.com or download the app to experience car shopping the way it should be. Convenient. Comfortable. Ah. Welcome to the Caixin Seneca Business Brief, brought to you by China. Each week, we bring you a roundup from the world of business in China from Caixin, China's authority on business and financial news, as well as interviews with Caixin Global reporters and editors. I'm Kaiser Guo from the Seneca Podcast. A warm welcome back to the show, everyone. And this week's show goes out to all you lovebirds who celebrated Valentine's Day yesterday. Unfortunately, you'll find that this week's lineup is definitely not rom-com material. We've got big China business news on Beijing's plans to launch sweeping standards on fintech and the digital yuan. Hong Kong's battle against the coronavirus is heating up, and three people are suspected of criminal activity after a disturbing video of a shackled-up woman went viral. With all the top developments from the past seven days, here's your fill on what's been going down in China. And let's kick off with a major update on Hong Kong's COVID situation. The financial hub's daily COVID case tally surpassed 1,000 for the first time since the pandemic began. The news comes as the city's hospitals are being overwhelmed and food prices have surged amid the fallout from a fast-growing outbreak. On February 9th, Hong Kong recorded over 1,160 new cases. Most of the infections are of the Omicron variant. Only a fraction of the virus cases were imported. Very sadly, two elderly patients died from COVID, including one who had received two vaccine doses. In light of the escalating virus situation, the city has imposed its toughest social distancing rules since the pandemic began. Since last week, the authorities have banned public gatherings of more than two people and private gatherings of over two families. It's been a bad week for one blogger who's been ordered to pay smartphone giant Honor more than 86,000 yuan, or close to $14,000, in damages. That's for posting a series of reviews critical of the company's devices online. The reviewer is only known by the surname Jiang. A court in the southern Chinese city of Guangzhou opted to punish Jiang partly because they had not used the particular Honor products. The smartphone company accused Jiang of slandering the company in order to attract traffic and grow their fan base on the social media site Weibo, where the blogger was said to have more than 100,000 followers. According to a review of the case posted by the Guangzhou Internet Court, Jiang's defense was that the posts in question were objective evaluations of the products. 
Turning now to the latest on the environment, the big news is that China has scrapped an ambitious push for its steel industry to peak carbon emissions by 2025. The country has now pushed the deadline back five years in final guidelines published last week. That means China's steel sector will now have until 2030 to peak those emissions in line with the broader national target. The new guidelines were jointly published by the Ministry of Industry and Information Technology, the Environment Ministry, and the top economic planner. A draft released over a year ago said the sector would aim to, quote, reach its carbon peak as early as 2025. The closer deadline had spooked steel industry insiders, with one telling Caixin they thought it was too aggressive to be practical and would only be achievable by the largest companies. China's steel sector emits about 1.8 billion tons of carbon dioxide each year, making it one of the country's largest industrial carbon emitters. China's regulators have outlined plans to establish sweeping new standards for the financial industry. The measures cover the digital currency, cross-border yuan settlements, green finance, and fintech. Last week, the People's Bank of China, the State Administration for Market Regulation, the China Banking and Insurance Regulatory Commission, and the China Securities Regulatory Commission jointly issued a development plan to standardize the financial industry during the 14th five-year plan period between 2021 and 2025. The plan outlines key areas and goals for standard setting in the financial sector over the five years to set up a, quote, standard system compatible with the modern financial system, end quote. The move reflects how the Asian giant's financial regulators have stepped up efforts to work out a standardized playbook with clear criteria and rules in hopes of getting the country's fast-evolving financial industry onto an orderly growth track. The latest development plan stresses setting up clear boundaries between financial and non-financial businesses and between tech services and finance to prevent the spread of risks. Last week also saw some rather grim news regarding Gao Shan, a veteran securities investor. Gao, who was the actual controller of Shanghai Yihuan Investment Management, a private fund management company, has been found dead in a river in Shanghai. Caixin has learned that a man's body was recovered from a section of the river in the city's Pudongnu area in early February. Police later confirmed the body was Gao's, who went missing on the evening of January 10th while out running. Sources say the police are conducting further investigations into his death. Gao Shan, who was 40, had been a well-known securities investor who had worked in the industry for years. As news of Gao's disappearance circulated, investors pulled money from the firm's funds, accounting for some 50% of its assets under management. The firm is planning to bring in a new director of investment and research. That's not the only eerie tale making the headlines. A video of a chained-up woman has shocked China. For those not familiar with the story, a video posted on the social media platform Douyin in late January showed a woman chained to the wall of a hut in Dongji village in Jiangsu province. The clip caused uproar online, with a number of social media users speculating that the woman, who was apparently unable to communicate clearly, may have been the victim of trafficking and called on the police to investigate. 
A statement by police said that the authorities had used information in marriage documents to trace the origins of the woman to a village in southwest China's Yunnan province. This Yunnan village is around 2,000 kilometers from the one in Jiangsu. The authorities said that the locals were able to identify the woman as a former resident known by the nickname Xiaohuamei, and that DNA testing on relatives of Xiaohuamei confirmed this identification. The police have now placed three people under so-called criminal enforcement measures. The authorities did not offer details on the measures. They can include being taken into police custody and house arrest. Among the group of three is Xiaohuamei's husband, surnamed Dong, who is suspected of illegal detention. Meanwhile, an individual surnamed Song, also from Yunnan, and Song's husband, surnamed Shi, who is from Jiangsu, are suspected of human trafficking. Now, this week's episode would not be complete if we did not mention Eileen Gu, who, by all accounts, has broken Chinese social media. That's after the 18-year-old athlete won her first gold medal at the Winter Olympics in a women's freestyle skiing big air event. She notched up nearly 100,000 comments on her Weibo page in less than half an hour after her victory. Known as Guailing in China, the champion skier earned overwhelming praise on the nation's social media platforms for her victory. However, the sportswoman's success has also become politicized, sparking much debate online. A lot of this relates back to Gu's mixed U.S.-Chinese heritage and that, although born in the U.S., she decided to compete under China. Therefore, critics in the U.S. have accused the teenager of being a traitor and an ingrate. Others have speculated on whether Gu holds two nationalities. Beijing does not approve of dual nationalities for any Chinese citizens. Gu has remained tight-lipped on the matter, simply saying that when she is in China, she is Chinese, and when she is in the U.S., she is American. Speaking of the Olympics, on this week's episode, we are joined by Caixin Global Financial News reporter Guo Yingzhe. And uh, though, Yingzhe, you specialize in finance, you're actually here to talk about a fun business story related to the Winter Games. So welcome to the show, Yingzhe. Yes, I'm very glad to be here. So you did a story about this mascot for the Beijing Winter Games that everyone is apparently going crazy over. Can you tell us about this little guy? Uh, well, the Beijing Winter Olympics mascot is called Bing Zhen Duan. Its design is based on giant panda. Obviously, the panda is one of the most uh, popular pet symbols of China. So, Bing Zhen Duan wears a full-body shell made out of ice. That helps the mascot skate, snowboard, and skate alongside the Olympics athletes. So, just really quickly, I always see the rotund little panda, but there is another mascot too for the Paralympics, right? A little lantern well, with a cap of snow. What's her name? Uh, that name is Xue Rong Rong. That is based on, uh, designed based on Chinese Latin. But now, of course, everyone is obsessed with the panda. Yes. And now there's a frenzy to buy absolutely everything Bing Dun Dun related. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Uh, yes. Although the mascot was unveiled in 2019, souvenirs of the mascot have sparked a buying frenzy recently and even speculative activity in China. Uh, that is because tons of ads and news coverage before and during the games have made people rather impressed or perhaps obsessed by the mascot uh, since it's become so recognizable. 
and official Olympic shops, uh, souvenirs featuring Bing Dun Dun, including toys and bags, were sold off uh, almost as soon as they were put on shelves. And they were priced way higher than the official price at online second-hand e-commerce platforms. So people are selling them, are reselling them for a much higher price online then? It happens in every buying spree of something, including the mascot and uh, sneakers and such kind of speculations. Imagine that. I am so shocked. Okay, so Inja, you mentioned sneakers, and just a couple of years ago, there were fears of a sneaker bubble uh, because all these people in China were rushing to buy and then resell expensive athletic footwear amid a lot of speculation. Could we see something like this happen with Bing Dun Dun? Uh, well, I believe the buying spree will fade away not long after the Beijing Winter Olympics come to an end. Uh, that is because people generally buy these types of souvenirs amid the Olympic season, and they want to show off such products on social media. Uh, so after the uh, Olympics close, people will have less incentive to brag about their Bing Dun Dun products. Okay, so there you have it. It's all about bragging on social media, kind of like my Wordle. Uh, so Inja, where do you stand on this? Is the panda cute, and is it worth the money? Um, well, actually, I think it's more about uh, the news coverage and media drive all of that. All media hype. Yes. Well, thanks so much, Inja, for joining us on this week's show. Uh, yeah, so you're welcome. Great. Hope to have you back soon. And that's it for this week. Thanks for listening. The Caixin Seneca Business Brief is produced by Kaiser Guo and Nandini Venkata with stories from the staff of Caixin Global. Special thanks to Li Xin of Caixin Global. Thanks to Spring and Autumn for the music. Check out some of our new podcasts on the Seneca Network, like China Stories, featuring the best writing on China from around the web, and the China Sports Insider podcast. And for daily news and views, make sure to subscribe to SupChina Access for the daily newsletter. Find us at subchina.com. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next week. Take care. <music>